Sports Professor Rick Harrow, and we are on the record. Every week, this podcast will take you inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, the top deal-making issues, the top tech issues, and the top social responsibility issues, plus a blockbuster interview with someone who you might not have heard from in the world of sports, but having a profound effect on its impact. Let's get started. Sports Professor Riccardo inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. It's time to focus on sports in the United States, but also international. International dominated the headlines across the pond, back from two weeks of the British Open, Open Championship, and the Senior Open, Wimbledon, and other events, and football starting, American football, the kind that generates net worth far beyond expectations, and the kind that'll focus on all of the deals going forward. Let's start with our number of deals, 3 to 1. 3. The NBA's been streaming Drew League games, and for the next month, they'll be available on NBA platforms. The Los Angeles iconic 50-year-old Summer Basketball League will, for the first time, have selected games streamed on the NBA app and NBA.com. The Summer Games stream on NBA platforms on select weekends from July 23 through the championship game on August 21. The Summer League features NBA stars LeBron James, L.A. native DeMar DeRozan, among others, and the NBA's digital platforms live stream various games and feature marquee players. The NBA produces the broadcast and disseminates notable highlights and celebrity-driven content. Founded in 1973, the league has, over the years, drawn players such as the late Kobe Bryant, James Harden, Baron Davis, Kevin Durant, Paul Pierce, and others. In one of the more enjoyable basketball experiences, fans flock to see some young talent play basketball at a slightly flashier level, if that's possible. LeBron James, Trey Young, John Collins already suited up. Two. The MLB Hall of Fame entered the digital collectible world, partnering up with Candy Digital. The NBA, the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum entered that world. Candy Digital, the official licensee of digital collectibles under a new product line called Baseball Legends Series. Fanatics owned Candy Digital, already the official digital partner of the MLB, Players Association, and others across the board, like the WWE. The first iteration of the Baseball Legends Series is the 2022 Hall of Fame Icon Series, on sale beginning August 2. Two digital packs available, 1,500 total, 10 packs selling for $249 apiece. The series includes Ken Griffey, Tom Seaver, Johnny Bench, Ryan Sandberg, others, and Candy Digital offer free digital collectibles to all attendees of this weekend's induction that just finished in Cooperstown. One. How about number one? Football just finishing USFL. How about the XFL aiming for a 2023 comeback? The latest relaunch reached a milestone. Owners Danny Garcia and Dwayne The Rock Johnson announced the XFL's eight team locations, venues, and coaching staffs in a public event at Texas Live. Uh, along with Arlington, teams are scheduled to play in Houston, San Antonio, Washington, Seattle, Orlando, Vegas, and St. Louis when games begin in February. Stoops, Bobby Stoops, in line to return to Arlington's Choctaw Stadium in 2023. He returned to coach uh, Oklahoma this past winter in the team's bowl game following the departure of Lincoln Riley. And in the announcement made Sunday night in Arlington, Houston is among the eight teams taking part in the return of XFL in 2023. The yet-to-be-named team will play its home games at TDECU Stadium 
on the campus of the University of Houston. Wade Phillips set to coach the team, bringing him back into the sport. He left some years ago. All about football, deal-making issue number one. How about football, the NFL variety? We all couldn't wait. Training camps starting. Football just a couple weeks behind. Interview more appropriate than ever. The chief administrator of football operations since June 17 of the NFL, Donna Ponte, the highest-ranking woman in that position, but she's much more than that. The Jets' director of football ops, uh, knowing that operation, starting with the Jets in 94 and 2006, she was involved as the NFL Labor Finance VP, the Browns football director of football ops 2009, with the Dolphins from 2010 to 2006, up to the EVP of football administration. She clearly speaks about all things salary, football, labor, operations, and an incredible perspective in addition to being a good friend. Here's Donna Ponte. Your personal journey through the business of sports and the business of business. So kind of start the clock and tell us a little bit about how it all started. So I actually started as an intern. I was 19 years old, got into the business by complete happenstance. Actually, the accounts payable person was going on maternity leave. So I uh, got an opportunity at the Jets, uh, worked there for a summer. I was asked back for another summer. And when I was a senior in college, uh, the Jets reached out and asked if I'd be interested in a full-time role uh, on the accounting side. So it kind of all worked out, which was great at the time. Uh, after starting there, I realized that I really enjoyed working in football, working in the team environment, but also quickly realized I did not want to be an accountant for the rest of my career. Uh, so that just got me thinking into other things. Uh, the salary cap had just come into the NFL at that time. Uh, so I really had an opportunity to learn that from the ground up with everyone else. It wasn't something that had been in the business for 30 years or more, um, but everyone, regardless of you know where they were at, uh, was learning that at the time. So I spent much of my time really figuring out how to use my current skill set with some of the new opportunities that were there, uh, and that was with the salary cap. We didn't have people who were working on that full time, so I uh, was fortunate enough to kind of be able to take on those projects and do those things. Um, and it wasn't long after that where I had talked to a few people in the organization and said, you know, I really think I want to get on the football side. Like, I'd love to do this full time, uh, contract negotiations, those types of things. And, um, you know, it was met with a little bit of, you know, sort of just, hmm, that's interesting. Um, but, you know, really just to manage your expectations, John, like, I don't know that that's ever going to really happen. Like, just culturally, um, we had no females other than really assistants at the time, a uh, very small organization. And, you know, that was really something that, um, that drove me. I felt like, okay, someone's going to tell me I can't do something, and particularly being a female, which I never really tried to focus on. But um, it was really from there on out that I said, I'm going to really figure out how to put myself in the best position so that if an opportunity were to come, there's never going to be a time where someone's going to say, okay, well, yes, we want to give it to you, but this person has the paper credentials to better support their candidacy. Um, so that's sort of the beginning part of my career. And but working. the beginning part also, you don't jump in half full or whatever the metaphor is. So it's graduate degree, it's accounting degree, obviously it's law mm -hmm. school. So you wanted to be over educated and over-prepared, right? 
in a way, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did not want to, like I said, I just didn't want to be in a position where someone could say, I didn't deserve the opportunity as much as someone else. And, and, the, and the perspective also is not just the female aspect, obviously, but it's the entrepreneurial aspect. It took some perception to realize that the salary cap era was basically going to create a whole new career for a whole bunch of people, and you perceived it relatively early in that career. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I was fortunate because uh, I was able to see that not only it was going to be relevant, but how impactful it was going to be on all of the decision making, um, understanding that free agency was no longer just going to be who had the most dollars to spend um, or the draft position. There were, they were all interconnected. Um, and then how you were going to construct contracts and really just manage within there. I mean, when I started, the salary cap was $34 million, I think, at the time. So <laughs> it's a, it a far cry from <laughs> yeah. where we are today. Yeah, really. So so yeah, so I think, and I've really, I think I've tried to do that throughout my career because I don't have the what you'd call the traditional training in the football sense. Like, I haven't played football. I didn't really work in it before. Um, you know, so I think that was really something else that I tried to kind of bring that different perspective to. So the Browns first? Uh, after the Jets. Actually, no, yeah. I went, I was at the Jets for 15 years right. um, where I transitioned to the football side. Um, and then not looking to leave uh, actually was uh, called by the league office and management council yeah. in labor finance. So work there. And really that was a whole new perspective on, I only saw how one team was able to do it. Although I think we had six or seven coaches throughout that period right, right. Um, and two owners and was able to kind of see a perspective of 32 and a much more macro approach compared to what we were doing at the team level. Tell, tell the story. You, you've been with the NFL in the NFL office since 17? Is yes, that correct? back in 17, yep. So talk about the duties today. Define what that four words means. <laughs> so uh, I would say that basically football operations, people ask, what is that? Right. Um, it's, it's essentially everything that touches the game, both on and off the field. Um, it's things on game day. It's being prepared, you know, both um, with all of the game day functions from sideline technology to field surfaces uh, to the competitive rules to the integrity. Um, and then also off the field, just preparing for all of the things and this being one of our biggest events, the Super Bowl. Yeah, I guess I heard that's a pretty significant <laughs> event. But when you think about the preparation and how the job has evolved, one of the amazing things I know about your career is that you were always one step ahead of how to entrepreneurially maneuver within the cap and find out what the loopholes would be from a owner's perspective, was there any difference as you evolved over to the league perspective that I know some of these issues from the team perspective and I know how to deal with these now because I've been through them? Yeah, sure. I mean, obviously when you're working for a team, you have one focus and that's that team and putting it in the yeah. best position to be successful. Um, from a league side, it really was able to sort of shift that approach to say when someone would ask a question, it wasn't about that team, it was about how it was going to impact 32. So that was really how you know kind of the approach to looking at different issues um, came into play and you weren't looking at it from the competitive side you were really competitive side selfishly but the competitive side is what was in the best interest of the league without getting overly boring on this but I, none of us find the cap boring hopefully nobody else does are the intricate issues surrounding the salary cap more legal are they more 
economic and entrepreneurial, or are they more um, on-field evaluation of talent, or is it a combination? I think it's a combination, but one of the things I've always felt is it's discipline. It's really discipline to your approach. It's consistency in your approach. It's being able to have a plan, not only for this season, but three seasons, and then depending upon your role, how that's going to impact it five or more seasons out. So really how you're going to allocate the resources. It's a finite set of you know money that you have, and how are you going to sort of build your foundation and then build for the long term? The salary cap, in my mind, has done so much for creating business plans from people who used to just blow the whistles and say you're running faster than somebody else and it's uh, something that has evolved obviously in your sport as well. How do you feel about the uh, the uh, uh, billy ball numbers crunchers on the football side? Now we've got a lot of general manager types let's say, Vikings most recent hire, who are known as financial people first in essence and evaluators of talent second. I guess I look at all of these roles, like when you're hiring someone in that position, I think what you're really looking for is a leader. It's someone who can really mm. bring a different perspective and tie all these things together. So whether you come from a numbers background discipline or a legal discipline, um, I think it's really the overall experience and how you're able to approach those things. Um, and really just bring that value to the organization because you're gonna hire all the experts for the other things. And I don't think it's about one thing. It's not just about the number. It's not just about the analytics. Um, and it's not just about the evaluation. It's all plays together. And, and so your role, it was fair to say, has significantly, not expanded o over, over time, but you're doing so much more now. You're doing a whole bunch of different stuff now. Does it, um, do you, do you feel like you uh, have to uh, constantly bone up on where the salary cap issues are or you lose some of the latest implications and, and, and uh, uh, definitions? It, it's one of those things, I think, because it was like really my foundation, right. when I get back to it, it sort of picks it up quickly. But, um, you know, I think it's, uh, for me, I'm always looking for a challenge. I'm always looking for something new. I'm always looking to see how do you take your experience, continue to build upon it. Um, hard to believe I'm 30 plus years in the business yeah. now, um, but it's always exciting. And uh, for me, it's just kind of what's that next thing. All right, let's talk about the NFL from that perspective. So, uh, you know, fan engagement, everybody's doing their thing. You have a bit with that because game experience all ties into fan engagement, give me some broad perspectives about how the NFL has come out of the pandemic and where it's going. So when we look at the pandemic, I mean, you know, rewind the clock two years, I would say one of the most incredible things is that what we would have said was totally impossible two years ago on every front, and particularly football. We're creatures of habit in the football space. You know, virtual meetings, it was like, no. Virtual draft, it was impossible. None of those things could happen. But I think the biggest thing that we learned is really that collaboration, working with one another, our colleagues, our partners, the players, and particularly the teams. And for me, that was really one of the most rewarding things is that connectivity to the teams and being in a position at the league office that you're not normally in, that you're able to provide them value to help them, you know, play games on Sunday. Um, you know, and then in terms of fan engagement, last year was difficult. We didn't have fans, a lot of fans in the yeah. stadium, even those that had them were not, um, were not full stadiums, uh, different this year. Uh, but 
But I think that was really also part of the media strategy and how we give more diversification in the ways that we, you know, that we watch football, whether it's digital or social or, you know, we're still the only sport that airs all of its games uh, on free TV. So, you know, you have to acknowledge that things are changing. People are consuming the product differently um, and continue to look at ways to engage. And uh, some of the newest issues that years ago when I was doing a lot of the stadium stuff, I was told stay away from gaming, stay away from casino sponsorship, and, and, and now look at it. you got seven partners, and you're there. What what what's your overall sense of how it's evolved? It personally, it has taken me and professionally a really probably long time compared to others because sports betting i mean my entire career that was taboo um you know but i think it's an example of how we've evolved with the times i mean you know we didn't get into the space until it was you know legal state by state federally um you know i think it's just things that we have to do it responsibly and i think the integrity of the game is at the forefront of everything that we do uh so continuing to operate in a way that ensures that we're not compromising that is is critical have a unique role because fan engagement and making people who otherwise might not be interested interested in the game is one piece and then protecting the integrity is another piece and it's both the same hero or villain which is Mm -hmm. gaming so tension between the two um i think again what we've sort of especially at the league level and working with the teams we've really tried to come together in that space to ensure that we have um, our voices heard from sort of the competitive side of it um, and the, you know, the player and the game integrity. Uh, and then there's also, you know, the out-of-the-box thinking, which I think is important as you're getting into this space and really seeing what works, what doesn't work, and, um, you know, staying on the same page. What's the next cool thing that happens in the NFL in the next 10 years? Oh, wow. That's a tough question. I mean, you know, if someone were to say that, you know, the that sports betting would be the cool thing, I would have told you you were crazy five that, or six years ago. That's an so. old question. Here's a, <laughs> yeah. new, here's a new one. International, yeah. I mean, development, you know, yeah. fantasy, it just... I, I think international yeah. is definitely an area. You know, we've got the 10-year collective bargaining agreement that went into effect in, uh, you know, in 2020, I guess yeah, that was, is at the start of <laughs> at yeah. the start of all of this. Right. Um, you know, we've got the media deals locked up for the long term. So it really is how to expand, um, you know, more globally. I think that that's definitely something that um, we continue to focus on, identify uh, different areas to host our product and really put on a a quality first class uh, on field game. Do you really, really, really perceive the NFL as a global game that will rise to the level? I'm not talking about soccer because nothing would, but basketball, hockey. Are we all kind of aspirationally looking for the same kind of thing? Uh, I would say absolutely. I mean, I think in what we've seen, particularly as we've expanded, you know, in the London games, um, as well as Mexico City and what we'll see to continue to happen here in the in the near future. um, You know, I think that we've really seen that grow in the popularity of the sport. And uh, anyone who watched watched postseason, whether you're a sports fan and really understand the game, the excitement around um, the product that was on the field this postseason was incredible. Clearly incredible. Uh, except the Pro Bowl. We, we don't have to. We, I was there. We don't have to. I, I will tell you that everybody was very entertained. Let's, yes. just, let's just leave yes, it at that. Yes, the stadium was very engaged. And, uh, very engaged. You know, yeah. Absolutely. So let's shift gears. Role model for young business women. Role model for young people wanting to get into the business. How, how, do, you, how, do, you perceive, how do you perceive your legacy? How's that? Um, 
Wow, I don't really think about a legacy. I mean, I try to just, um, again, I love what I've done. Yeah. I really do. I've enjoyed every aspect of it as I continue to be able to grow. Um, I think, you know, that's kind of what I'm looking for. And I think the biggest thing I would leave with anybody, and, you know, you could say women or you could say whatever, um, you know, whatever individual, uh, it really is don't ever let anyone tell you that you can't do something. If you have a passion for it and you want to commit to it, um, you can do anything. I think that's probably a fair comment to make. Uh, my only other question is, you have, you have time for anything else besides football? I mean, you got kids, you got family. It's just a you got a great balanced life. I uh, think it's good. I don't really have any friends, so that's positive. I don't have time for social life. Um, but that's but probably it's it's, it's the NFL's benefit, yes. by the way, ladies and yes. gentlemen. Uh, no, I have uh, I have an incredible husband. He's amazing, and he's my lifeblood. And he really has allowed me to do what I do, yeah. and has jumped on board. I have four kids, and uh, you know they're fully supportive. And uh, you know it's two are actually one is a coach now and the next one wants to be a scout and I have twin 15 year olds so I still have a chance <laughs> to pick a different career but uh but no I mean it's and that that to me that's a and you know that's a, a recognition of of my husband who's really raised them to be so supportive and um you know that's really where I like to spend my time with them well it's a recognition of you as a role model but also spending the time it takes to be a great uh uh, parent and uh, in addition everything else that you do so the NFL is in good hands with my good friend Donna Ponte thank you very much for doing this Appreciate thanks Rick it. well Don certainly has some perspective that can transcend as we begin an unprecedented successful season with the NFL how about sports gaming in the sports gaming minute Ohio matches Arizona with eight pro team partnerships eight of them have se selected betting partners as they apply to the Ohio Casino Control Commission for mobile sportsbook licenses. All eight we know of include Bally's, partnering with the Browns, Bet365, partnering with the Guardians, Bet Fred, partnering with the Cincinnati Bengals, Fanatics, partnering with the Columbus Blue Jackets, Fubo, with the Cleveland Cavaliers, Superbook, with FC Cincinnati, Tipico, with the Columbus Crew, Underdog, partnering with the Reds. These partnerships shaped the future of Ohio sports betting and is now in the hands of the Ohio Casino Control Commission to decide their fate. Sports betting continues to ramp up in Ohio. Seems as though professional teams want to get in while they can. And we went from delaying a bit uh, because no football revenue, just getting ready for 2023 after Governor DeWine signs to coming out with blockbuster numbers once it happens in just a few months. How about tech? which is always a big issue when you think about what's going on with FIFA. FIFA 23 features all-new Hypermotion 2 technology to improve the gameplay and graphics for their women's modes. The most recent and final installment in the successful EA Sports video game series, not only female athletes on the cover and women's club teams for the first time, but also implemented its Hypermotion 2 technology to improve the graphics and gameplay of matches between the women's teams. Hypermotion 2 Animation, the product of the latest iteration of the X-Sense powered motion captured data. And prior to FIFA 22, two Spanish pro men's teams played an entire match in mocap suits to help the EA Sports animators better render the athletes' fluid motions and technical skill. And in preparation for FIFA 23, 
EA Sports commissioned similar exhibitions featuring motion capture technology. This time for one man's match and one's women's match. And these new data sources help provide more than 6,000 distinct animations taken directly from real-world on-field gameplay. Machine learning algorithms ingested 9.2 million frames of motion capture data taken from the 11 versus 11 matches, as well as some 5 versus 5 drills. The tech people have their hands full. Finally, as usual, philanthropic Good Sports 5. Bo Jackson donated to pay for the funerals of the victims of the Uvalde school shooting. He hadn't spoken publicly about it, but the Uvalde uh, town had been a regular stop for a bite to eat or groceries before a long drive farther west to visit a friend's ranch on hunting trips, and Bo has not forgotten. The Allen Media Group scoops up Black News Channel for 11 million bucks. Black News Channel debuted in February 2020 as a 24-7 cable news channel dedicated to the unique perspective of African-American communities, and now more money as they expand. WNBA star Kelsey Plum can't believe that Tom Brady sent her a gift as her reaction goes viral. Just days after scoring the All-Star MVP accolade, Plum also announced her partnership with female-owned fashion brand GSTQ. SAC and Flow Sports announcing a streaming rights partnership. The South Atlantic Conference is a big deal. Obviously, SAC events, NCAA Division II, their partnership allows more revenue, more exposure, and more awareness. And finally, Liberty University rekindles the spirit of Virginia Commonwealth Games on campus. More than 100 basketball teams playing over 400 games in more than a dozen courts between the Recreation and Fitness Center, Liberty Arena, and Liberty Christian Academy account for the largest number of athletes. It's clear that sports knows no bounds. That's your Good Sports 5. And that's your show for the week. We'd like to thank Donna Ponte for giving of her time and her perspective. would like to thank Nick Nielsen for helping us put the show together, as well as others who are helping to distribute it as well. We'd like to thank you all for listening and watching, and join us next time when we go inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. Sports professor Rick Harrow, speak with you soon.